Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing experts in emerging areas of PR. We'll be taking those hot topics in public relations, dispelling any myths, breaking down the jargon, so you are completely clued up and ready to speak to your stakeholders by the time you reach the office. If you have any questions around the episode, please feel free to tweet me at Stella Bales. Hello, hello, welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. That's the second time I've almost sung the intro. I must be pleased to get back. I am. I'm pleased to be speaking to interesting people and interviewing people like I did today. On today's episode, I had a really good chat with Stephen Waddington, also known as Watts. If you're involved in PR conversations on Twitter, you would have definitely come across him. He writes the brilliant PR blog wads.co.uk, but has been in PR for over 25 years. He's led digital communications and strategy at some of the big agencies, um, including Ketchum. And he is now an advisor to all sorts of different organisations within the communications space. Watts and I have actually been speaking recently because we have been exploring public feeling and changing public feeling and how you can track that. Because in PR, we're really good historically at knowing exactly who our target audience is, but do we truly know how they feel? So in this episode, Wads and I discuss why it's more important now than ever to really understand how our audience or just the public are feeling right now and, and how that is changing and how we can really find that out and not just be so connected to who influences them, like the media, truly how they are feeling. So we talk about the tech that can help us get there and also the processes that we might need to have in place. But really, this is an ongoing area of discovery for everybody. So I would love to get your thoughts once you listen to this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to the PR Resolution podcast. I am joined by the famous <laughs> Stephen Waddington, or aka Wads. Welcome to the podcast. This is our first podcast together, isn't it? Is it really? Well, I mean, we should have. We should. Well, I'm glad to. I'm glad we can sort that out. It's um, no, it's good to good to talk and. Um, Long-time listener, first-time uh, contributor. Then, and what was it you were just saying just before we went live? Oh, I'm very well. You, because <laughs> you, you, you're obviously such a good producer and interviewer. You sent me some questions this morning, and I'm in tune through them. And actually, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So. Me too. So uh, the reason for that is because I wanted to explore the topic of public feeling and public relations. But don't worry, we're not going to um, spend the next 45 minutes looking at our industry name or label. Um, but I think it is relevant because we do relate to the public in our industry. And public feeling right now is uh, really relevant. And just because of everything that's been going on this year. But um, before we sort of jump into the general public, Wads published some research on his great blog. And if anyone isn't aware of the, the blog, which is probably going to be more for the people outside of the UK, it's 
wads.co.uk isn't it yeah that's correct yeah yeah wads.co.uk fantastic blog that's not just about public relations looks at all different areas of marketing and insight and generally just um about our community um of public relations but specifically i wanted to talk about this blog post that you put out last week about how we were feeling in the community and it sort of sparked this idea for this podcast actually so can you Tell us a little bit more about that research. Yeah, so so I've always been a bit grumpy and moody, and but, but those uh, those attributes of my character came to the fore during, and I guess you know, a lot of people struggle with mental health during during lockdown because so much of our lives changed and our worlds just got smaller and smaller. Uh, I, and I've always used my blog as a way to think about things and think out loud really and in doing so you know you get that beautiful feature of the internet that that other people find you and uh, and you know respond uh, particularly if they're, they're feeling in a similar sort of way so this was this this blog post I wrote last week was about this issue and it's particularly acute in the UK where we thought we were coming to the end of the COVID-19 crisis and there's lots of discussion in in mainstream media and in politics about you know the recovery building back better the the new normal that's got everyone into the psyche of we're on the front foot and we're coming out of COVID-19 we're moving beyond COVID-19 and then it's because it became apparent in the last two weeks in the UK that we're clearly not because uh, and we're not only are we not, but we're a long way from reaching the end of this crisis. I think it's safe uh, to say that's happening in the US as well, which is where a lot of yeah, other just, listeners so, are. Yeah, and, and we're a little bit behind some markets in Asia, you know, Australia and, you know, Sydney's in its second lockdown. This isn't atypical to the UK, but what's happened in the last couple of weeks here is uh, we've seen local lockdowns, so re- regional lockdowns where restrictions have been Put in place, and I spend my time working either between the northeast of England and London, north and the northeast of England has had lots of restrictions put in place in terms of in terms of people meeting, in terms of curfews, uh, and then you've seen you saw that implemented nationally, and we're now in this bizarre position where you know each, different areas of the UK, dependent on the the spread of the virus, are under different different restrictions, and that. You know that that's a huge signal that this crisis is, you know, almost certainly during this phase going to last for another six months or so. You know, that's what medical experts are telling us, what public health are telling us, and it's finally what the politicians are telling us as well. And I think a lot of, you know, I'm not alone here. A lot of people who'd started to get back to normal, we'd start to get back into the office, we'd start to go out for dinner. Uh, and start to plan things again suddenly are back into this lockdown mentality where you know your your life becomes smaller your world becomes smaller and smaller and you know frankly that did my head in a little bit (laughs) 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 and 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 as I do you know um, a strong believer in in counseling and and therapy and trying to uh, recognize it you know identify what's going on in the situation uh, as a means of coming to terms with it, because surely, you know, we've all recognised. I think 
during lockdown that human beings are incredible things and we adapt and, and we evolve evolve and yes situations might be might be difficult might be tough but you learn to live with it and, and deal with it and make the best of it and you know there's lots of wonderful examples of how people have done that during during lockdown but in this particular situation I reached out to a number of people with lots of experience of of crises uh, to try and understand what was going on and you know we'd we'd had this false dawn there'd been a reset uh, and you know everyone was feeling a bit fed up anxious and and you know worst case depressed and there's lots of uh, there's you know there's perfectly rational explanation for it you know and I ended up I plotted it on it and that's what the blog post is about plotted where we are in the crisis onto a, a really well-known crisis planning model. And, you know, when you see the diagram that shows the discovery of the virus in Q4 uh, last year, 2019, Q1 this year, the lockdowns in Asia, then the lockdowns in the UK, the lifting of the lockdowns at the end of Q2 and Q3 in the UK, that euphoric moment. And then, you know, we're back down in the dip where we're we're in new restrictions. You realise we're going to go through this cycle now for, well, until... Uh, there's a vaccine found until you know so many aspects of our society and economy have to you know evolve around to to live with the virus so that was what the blog post was about a couple of things that have sprung to mind but I think going to when I read the post instantly it resonated with me um it felt like that you really understood the the feeling of particularly everybody that reads your blog and is involved in, I guess, our community that's on Twitter and people within PR. And I don't know whether that's because we're all tend to be communicators and uh, kind mm. of looking forward to getting back out there and meeting people in person. And um, I know that's for me, that's like the case. I, I've always, okay, I'm going to enjoy this quiet time. But I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to normal and meeting in person and interacting with human beings. And so, yeah, definitely uh, understood it really resonated the information that was there. And I think that having that understanding in the blog post of how people were feeling and then being able to get that across was then really interesting to me. And um, and then just made me think about how how people did how how did how did you know that how did you know that that was going on and so and it, and it, because it relates to what we do in our industry we are maybe not me and you so much right now but there's people that we work with are still communicators on behalf of um brands organizations and try to understand this is the smartest link ever <laughs> <laughs> but it's true <laughs> you weren't really hard on this <laughs> <are> you? but <laughs> there is a link there is a link um but it is true you know it is about public feeling and also understanding your readers me and mm. people the people that you worked with on on that post had they done any sort of outside research or was it literally just sort of understanding the what's happened before in other crisis moments? There's a couple of conversations I've been having um, ongoing throughout the crisis with with people uh, in you know my community, people that follow my blog. Um, Sheena Thompson in particular has a background in military, you know, has experienced lockdowns and restrictions of movements in other countries. And she, you know, recognises the stages that people go through and the anxieties that they have and certainly has called me out several times on my moodiness on Twitter. Um, 
and uh, caught me out, uh, DM'd me with concern uh, and, and, and you know, suggestions for what I might do and, and you know, to, to get out of it. You know, that's really helpful. But these individuals, are, I think it's all, you know, rooted in experience. The plot is graph that you had meant that we yeah. could actually look forwards a little bit and go, OK, yeah. so I might feel like this. Do you think mm. that that is something, do you think that's something that PR teams are doing with understanding audience or I guess it depends what kind of organization you are doing comms on behalf of but do you think that there is use in that so visualization is great that's the first thing and and the beautiful thing about that image is you know it it, it sums up in a curve you can almost plot your mood against that it's a great visual identification that the uh, of the situation and you know and yes um shows that we can expect from here to go through cycles of you know, coming out of lockdown, going back into lockdown, or if not lockdown, some sort of restriction of movement. The one thing we don't know is how long this is going to last because, you know, we're, we're either waiting for, you know, societies to build up immunity to the virus or for some form of, of vaccine to become available. Mm. Wider question, are PR teams tapping into and communication tapping teams tapping into the mood of the nation of public i think they are from understanding you know understanding the challenges that individuals face i think particularly anyone working in in public health and healthcare uh, is very cognizant of this issue from a behavioral point of view mm. um yeah i guess like if i owned, I, I was thinking about it from when i looked at your graph thinking this is great. We can predict how the how the country and how the world might be feeling in a in a couple of months. Mm. But I mean, I guess if only it could be that it's quite unexpected to know exactly what's happening. But um, I suppose when I was putting myself and I started to really think about this and put myself back into the shoes when I was a practitioner and when I used to look at for insight of my audience that I might be targeting that tended to be at the beginning of the year or like when I was like building a strategy or the beginning of the campaign and then it wasn't something that I and I would do some research whatever that research might be um mm-hmm. to understand my audience and then I would get on with the work in hand it wouldn't be like what's going on right now it just feels like it's we can't refer back to the audience insight that we did in January or last year because it's completely no. different. And it just really made me think this must be quite a tough job for people at the moment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know what? I've just come off a call actually where when um, one of my colleagues in an agency that I, I work for up in Birmingham is doing some work in the West Midlands region trying to understand how businesses are, are, are thinking about you know, the rest of this year, planning for Q1, you know, given the situation we're in with, with COVID and, and Brexit. With, sorry, with Brexit to come, um, you know, we're speaking here in October. We're not going to know to the middle of November whether we've got a no deal or some sort of deal with, with the European Union as we exit. And uh, <laughs> her conversations, and she's doing primary research, talking to to you know, leaders of businesses, and everyone's saying, "Do you know what? We haven't got a plan for 2021. We're we're just literally working uh, at the moment, month to month. That's as much as you can do mm. um, in the environment that that we were in." One of the people that was quoted in the blog post, Timothy Coombs, 
you know, one of the foremost experts in, in the world uh, working in crisis communications came up with this. Uh, I developed this theory called situational crisis communication theory, which is, you know, literally uh, real time planning around this. And I think, you know, we are we're living in a in a time where we're we're planning real time. Certainly, Stella, if you wrote a plan last October or November for 2020, you've shredded it by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Coverage Book, the reporting tool that's made by PR people for PR people. Head to coveragebook.com for your free trial. Like you've just mentioned in the people that you've been speaking to from a crisis background recently, I also had a couple of conversations and people that you introduced me to recently who work oh, yeah. in crisis, um, who are, uh, consult various organisations when they're um, to be prepared for a crisis and also yeah. to, to work mid, mid crisis and how to work in that. It feels like that even if you want in, you, you wasn't in an in-house role where, where crisis might happen and you were, you know, more in my old PR days of being in a consumer department of a, you know, a quite a traditional PR agency. I used to work on quite fun campaigns. Actually, yeah. and that's why we used to sort of look at insight at the beginning of the year, build strategy, and then get on with our campaigns. It feels yeah. like now um, everybody needs to be learning from crisis consultants because, yeah. um, you know, either your in-house agency or anything, because it is a different kind of process that we're having to adapt to, isn't it? A different kind of, sort of insight. Yeah, it is. And it's much more real time than, than ever before. I guess we could, at some point we'll come on and talk about you know how you how you deal with that sort of environment, but listening and understanding your public and what they need, and you know you use you use public there in the the broader sense, you know understanding those publics at a moment in time, your audience is a moment in time, and their needs and behaviours is is you know absolutely critical mm. for any PR or brand communication. Obviously, there is lots of different research and insight that we can do to understand audiences better. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But there used to be an element of, especially when I worked in one area for a long time. So I've worked on drinks brands for a while mm. um, and they were very particular drinks brands aimed at people in their 20s <laughs> and I was of that age as well at the time and there was elements of um, the, the strategies and the comms plans that we were building that I just knew you know like I didn't need to go in that much depth I didn't feel like to build the comms strategies then do you think do you think that happens a lot in PR where you, uh, where people work in a particular area and they feel like it's like they can go on gut feel sometimes or do you think we're better than that now I think when we when I started out in my career you know 25 years ago audience insight was okay we want to and, and I started out in the tech industry right we want to launch you know a, a new tablet device right audience planning we're going to sell this to geeks and you know smart savvy consumers right let's get the literally the paper directory of media that are read by that audience and right okay we need to figure a story we've identified identified the media you know and it'll be pc press as it was and maybe some lifestyle press right what is the story we need to get in um, to those publications and that literally was audience planning and you know it would be for the pc press you know it would be something techie uh focused on the 
geekiness of the device and for lifestyle it will be you know how this how this is going to help me work smarter or more effectively and that was the the beginning and end of of insight and planning and yeah I hope we've come on a long, long way since then. I must admit, when I um, moved from PR and to a digital marketing agency, the people that I was joining in in that agency found it, it wasn't just me. It was most most of the people who had come from a, a PR background and into that world made the, the, the shift from areas of marketing. The, the biggest surprise was the fact that we would start with media and uh, rather than start with the actual cons- target consumer or the audio target audience and yeah. really understanding them and I'd say that that was like the the biggest shift actually and it's not just uh, media lists like being so um tied to this is the objective of the brand then the influencers or then the media and just those two areas just being so important and almost like missing out a huge chunk of research of who is the actual person that might <laughs> is going to buy this product or or interact yeah. with that brand? And um, it does feel like just I mean just from the soft I'm from software world and seeing and getting to know other areas of software that's available now and knowing the tools that people use it does feel like there is there is a big shift that has it has improved thankfully. Mm. Going from looking at media. And then going to where we're at now, have you? What kind of resources have you seen people use to to look at audience and, and understand what's going on, and understanding whether personas are a thing or um, and what, how they're categorising them? So there's any number. I think we're we're still guilty within the PR industry of taking a media led approach and and jumping to the media as a channel before we've done the planning work. I, I, I guess that's instinctive and part of our psyche. I also think, though, through COVID, um, we've seen this massive change in public relations practice because so much of the media, traditional media, has been either you know displaced or um, furloughed. Um, so if you've tried selling in uh, a story into earned media over the last six months, it you know, it has been has been challenging. Um, also, you know, so, so there's the issue of the turmoil that traditional media fa- is facing in the ongoing shift in business model. But then there's the obsession with reporting around the virus, um, meaning it's really, really challenging just to 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 break through. So that's acted as a, an incentive or driving motivator for any agency or any team that hadn't previously made the transition to you know peso type planning model so yeah i I think we are we are right at the moment of a point of inflection in in practice because of that so the sort of tools then that people are are using um you know public relations is backward in its adoption of technology you know the the i was laughing at the start of this week when you know the government um, sorry, there was, there was this issue with the reporting of, of, of the numbers. COVID, COVID because That's someone small had used, mistake. <laughs> someone had used an old version of Excel and 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 the macro didn't work. Um, literally, 
has to reach. And everyone's having a huge laugh about that on, on Twitter and the PR and media community. And actually, most of the workflow in PR is based on an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, not only an Excel spreadsheet, probably an Excel spreadsheet from four or five projects ago that's been opened and renamed. Um, uh, and, um, you know, and, and we've got to get away f- from that. Uh, and thankfully, for the influence of content marketing and SEO, we are. Uh, and that's that's got to be a good thing. So, you know, where are we seeing tools being applied? Well, in, in identifying and, and planning, uh, identifying planning audiences, understanding the motivations of, of those audiences and the conversations they're, they're having, and then how you plan and develop content so that you can engage and those audiences in the way that you might. And I'm sorry, I've used audiences and public interchangeably uh, interchangeably yeah. here. There's a final piece, and that's the workflow piece. And again, you know, this, this is another moment where the PR industry celebrates the fact, you know, we, we've seen, you know, tech adoption, more tech adoption in the last six months than we had seen in the previous six years. And we're all on Zoom and we're all working virtually. And isn't that great? And well, yeah, that's fantastic, but it's quite superficial. We're not actually changed the workflow. That doesn't change the workflow. It just changes, you know, makes a physical meeting a virtual meeting. You mentioned that you're changing audience with public, and yeah. um, and I I find that I do that sometimes. And then I found that even actually when I sent over the questions to you, I um, used target audience, and then I used consumer insight as well. And I was like, "What? Well, hang on, a minute. that's completely different. Don't use that interchangeably." And that um, again, it's um, to think about where the different sort of areas of marketing are at. Like, so I remember when I first went to the digital marketing agency because we were, I was um, in a department where I had lots of retail clients, e-commerce retail clients, and we had access to so much data on the actual customers um, and able to access data about where they came from, uh, what they purchased, if they returned, if they signed up to a loyalty program, um, if they then shared things with their friends. Um, and that kind of level of insight who they, and who they were because they'd signed up to the loyalty program and really getting a picture of the types of people that they might be and what they bought, their, uh, their purchasing behaviours. I'd never really had access to that kind of um, insight before when I was at, in a public relations agency. But it was very different to, that was the consumer insight. Um, and we were always looking at potential consumers that are target audience that we would mm. be trying, trying to go after. Um, and that's, I think that's so, such an interesting area because they could be different if there's a, a change of objective of, of an organization, if you're trying to target new people. but. Generally, it tends to be that we want more of the same. They're already buying <laughs> products and they're loyal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of the same. And it just felt like that, that kind of level of information was so useful to then feed into. Because um, we were still doing, I was still doing online PR, but we were doing other departments doing other things. But as I say, it was the first time I'd had access to that kind of data. And it was just amazing because it felt like that I was able to do quite interesting campaigns actually and they felt really niche <laughs> i worked for uh, sports shoes so actually called sportshoes.com and they sell sports shoes um, which is nice and easy but just through some of the insights that we would get 
we started to do campaigns that were specifically for people with uh, high arches in their feet mm-hmm. <laughs> or had wide feet. Um, and that, and as a PR person in the PR agency, I don't think I would have really, I would have thought that's just far too niche. We need to go for the, the big campaigns that would get to a mass mm-hmm. audience. But actually, they worked really well and they shifted products and it worked that... It, it positions that retailer as really understanding their their, ta- their mm. target audience. So yeah, I mean, where am I going with this example? It was a bit of an eye opener for me to be able to get hold of like more specific data that really really helped our PR agencies able to access that. Now, was it just I was you know it was a while ago. So, so. yeah, so so the savvy ones are they're, they're starting to use listening tools, influencer identification tools, listening tools, and tools like. Um, your answer, not answer the public to to start understand what what audiences public so want and start to engage with them in a conversation and that's exactly what you're describing yeah you're you're creating a piece of content that you know engages me as a because I've got a certain need and that's the start of a relationship and a, a conversation with a, a brand that clearly in the case you, you you said, you know, if you've got high arch feet and you need a particular shoe, you're going to go and buy it. But you understand me. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's no, true exactly. though. It's how I felt when I read your blog post. Like, oh, you understand how I'm feeling right now. Um, right. That's, that's, I guess that's what we're looking for. Um, well, I just say that the insight from that just came from my own personal mood and, and actually there was a piece of... There's uh, just people around me feeling the same way. Um, there's a guy who runs um, comms, head of um, comms at one of the NHS trusts in the northeast, responded to the post, and he had this uh, beautiful word, Nui, uh, which, you know, describes perfectly the mood of it means listlessness and dissatisfaction with the current situation, the lack of excitement, and that's just perfect. Mm. I think there is still an element, going back to my question of how much is still gut feel. I mean, it's not, that's more than gut feel. It's just you being in amongst this community and really being in touch with mm. people in the industry and with your readers of your blog. So you do really understand your target audience mm. and that is why. And it's, you know, and it's people like you, you are like them. So um, it is that understanding. And yeah, I guess if it's you're sort of trying to reach a, a more varied, large audience, that can be quite tricky, can't it? And um, something that I noticed just um, when I was looking, because I was looking more into, so for, I think I've mentioned this on a couple of podcasts now, I also work on Answer the Public as well as Coverage Book and Answer the Public is a search insight tool. Um, and I've been looking more into social insights recently and trying to get a, just around this topic, really trying to get a good understanding of what, how we can sort of understand public feeling a little bit more about what's going on at the moment. And I noticed that Brandwatch have, I mean, I don't know how new it is, and I'm probably going to say it in the wrong way, curiously. Mm. Is that oh, that's right. They're just spending with a Q. With a Q. Um, curiously with a Q and no you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just so you can all find it. Um, yeah, they made, made a word up. Uh, that's a good way of dominating search, I guess, if you people can actually spell it. This sounds like it's taking a quite a traditional market research method, but in a digital way. Have you seen it? Yeah. Have you used it? <laughs> I haven't used it. No, no, no. I haven't used it. At Do you all. know anyone no. who has? I haven't. No. Yes. No. Maybe we. We, we need to test it. We need someone from Brownwatch on the phone. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I was looking at. Um, yeah, different social tools. Check it out, listeners, um, because this is a way you can ask 
ask a question, um, but it goes to apparently two billion people. I'm not sure how to do that, but it goes through to um, ads on phones. Um, so you can be quite specific about a question that you're trying to ask. Um, and then it goes through an ads network, I believe, um, and they've got access to like 50,000 phones around the world. Really interesting. But yeah, if anyone has used that, let us know. But um, maybe that's, I'll go on to uh, the next, maybe it's a conversation with well, Brand Watch for another. So there's a, there's, an, there's a tool that I have used related to similar sort of tool called Sticky Beak. Sticky Beak describes it as, as self as your research and insight personal assistant uh, which takes a very similar approach to to what i think curiosity does because the curiosity you can identify you put together some questions identify a, an audience and put the uh, and i don't know how they do it but it's obviously they push out as some sort of survey via an ad network targeting the people that you want to engage so uh, sticky beat does a similar sort of thing it's a survey that's conducted by a bot in a conversational way using natural language and they you identify an audience that you want to uh, engage with and have a conversation with find out information from uh, and they push it out via facebook ads to get you the audience that you you like uh, you'd like to, to reach you can also do it you know through your own own channels but you know it's quite a neat neat piece of software and uh, you know similarly you know it's, it's looking to get uh, insight to start that conversation with a with a prospect customer or someone you want to talk to I think that's it and over the I mean it's what I'm researching at the moment and I'm hoping to do some more pod, maybe podcasts or and um, maybe some posts around this so just what tools do we need to really understand this so this seems like the problems that we used to have when we used to try and survey people was that it you, the positive was that you could ask the question that you want to ask and really get a direct um, and closed answer back. But often the the pool of um, of people would be quite small. Uh, this looks like it would be to a much wider audience. But I guess the problems if you're only doing something like that is that you're coming at it from um, a, it could be quite leading. Maybe the similar to my question, so to you. Yeah, well, do you know what, um, Andrew, I, mean, I know you've, have you had Andrew Smith on the podcast? I haven't, no, we do oh, chat, but he hasn't been on the podcast yet. Get, get him on your podcast, because Andrew works in the tool market, but at the forefront of driving public relations practice, particularly focused on measurement and, and planning, planning and measurement. Um, but he recommended this book to me, which I bought that I've yet to read. It's called Everybody Lies. And it's about, it, it pulls apart the, the fact that when we're asked a question, we'll typically give a, give the answer that we think people want to hear. Uh, and actually, it's only by understanding actual behavior. And the, of course, the internet enables you to do that, that you'll get to true true answers and, and, and the truth. Um, as I say, I've yet to read it, but... Um, now it's an interesting thesis which would suggest that if you can get as close as possible to your customers and in identifying the bit you know their actual behavior you're going to get a truer response than you are if you actually ask them it's like building up a whether it's a, a, a stack of tech but then also a bit of a step-by-step step of how you uncover some of these feelings and insights isn't it right so mm -hmm. like with search data so from whether you're using answer public or if you're just manually going to google suggests or google trends uh, google trends is i find is a good place to start even before 
you get into something like looking at Google suggests or or if mm. you wanted to go onto a wider level answer the public at all um but like you can get to it's a good lead-in to really uh, before you start with your own customers if you're wanting to look at general public feeling it's a good lead-in so um yeah what's going on right now with trends uh what's spiking uh, as a topic then you can start to go into more of a i guess more detailed search of something that's related to whether that relates to your organization and then and then uncovering that a little bit more and then once you get into the finding insights from there you can start to use some of these other tools whether it's these questions um to your audience um to what well, you to your customers and then i guess it, to social as well um social i've always found i was always bombarded with so much data that i'd get back but it's it's mm. much as about how you set it up i suppose isn't it mm. i know that you've been testing some search data recently haven't you with the answer the public how have you found have you has that led you to any any insights you try to figure out the impact of sorry the application of search and the use of search in a, in a crisis emergency response situation you know thesis being that you know the media and the public go to google to find answers typically before they go to any other source it's almost become like the first point of reference primary reference point if you can spot rising searches at a moment in time that gives you a, a forewarning of a you know an issue that might be arising and yeah so i did it um you, i've been using ads to the public you know didn't you know at least did days but thinking about looking about how people have been searching around the northeast which you know went under restrictions two weeks ago you know during this time what it what kind of answers people were what was concerning people uh, and what were they what were they looking for uh and it's funny it's almost like you you are literally tapping into the public consciousness of, of the Geordie uh Geordie public because you know people are wanting to know could I try and guess you... being a, a real southerner so for any uh, no, anyone, <laughs> anyone outside the UK Geordie yeah, is what we call uh, people from Newcastle in... yeah this isn't going to work in California is it? <laughs> <laughs> there, um, sorry go as, as much as I guess you would have yeah sort of typical so like everybody in Philly loves a Philly steak or you know loves the birds you know it's that kind of thing so people so i'm i'm from the opposite end of the country don't have a great deal of knowledge of the north but did you find that searches were well so so yeah <laughs> so it be it typical you, you could you know no, they weren't i mean they weren't typical they weren't as regional in any way apart uh, from they, they showed up the you know the absolute concerns that people had uh, and were having around when the lockdown measures in the northeast were first introduced uh, you know and there's a huge amount of confusion around uh, exactly what you can do when when you know restaurants open who can go to a pub who can't go to a pub when are they going to close uh, and such like how how can i and literally you could see you could you know it, it, the, this data was showing these issues play out in in real time you know so anyone that was working in public health or you know working in 
public sector could very quickly get an understanding of okay here's the issues that are concerning mm-hmm. um, the location and and you know from a behavioral point of view here's some things we might be able to respond to to you know accelerate changes in behavior quicker or you know to to alleviate anxiety you know so, so things like just just explaining the rules uh, better and significant student populations uh, in the city so there's Northumberland University Northumberland University sorry Newcastle University and Newcastle College and you know so there's a lot of questions about uh, how you know the lockdown impacted students coming back to the city and so on and so forth mm. it definitely does help like I say in, re- in real time it helps you pivot even if you were doing sort of live not live but um communications with the local press etc day to day it just helps with those different angles doesn't it just um with with what you might need to manage or, or get across on a slightly different example we uh, so through answer the public we just have a few um searches um, ongoing uh, for different brands and something popped up the other day which was quite interesting um, and this is uh, not to do with covid but um could have potentially been a crisis i guess but it wasn't but basically what happened was um we saw that um there'd been an increase of searches around um h&m and child labor and so that just meant that we were able to go and have uh, like actually go and search for that to see what was going on what it was was there was a, an article just about fashion brands um and child labor and actually h&m had been used as an example of not using child labor and um and as you know the, the, what the good ways that they manufacture their clothing uh, but i guess uh, for whatever reason, people had then maybe read that and then there's been a spike of searches around it to try and then find mm. out, I don't know, was it true or what? how do they do it, whatever it was. But it was just like, it was quite interesting to see that we we spotted that for that particular brand um, mm. and there had been some people searching around it. Just quite interesting to sort of be aware of that and, like, and just to well, find out why you know why are people why are people going to are they believing the stories that they're reading or why are they trying to find out more yes yeah, so, so Stella, the insight there is that that it's google being used as a source of information perhaps ahead of you know certainly ahead of the media uh, and probably ahead of of social as well and that you know people are heading there to try and find information related to a, a topic even if that's you know then guiding them to a media sources mm. it's just such a gateway so yeah if if you you know if you're able to access that data then it becomes incredibly powerful mm. well we're continuing to chat about this offline as well and um and it is really are we done <laughs> we, we are almost done I, just you just, I know you just sat back like getting comfortable so okay <laughs> but, all right uh, when are we going to do part two well uh, for the listeners this is some this is research that uh, we're doing so um as i've already mentioned the work on answer the public which is all search insight but genuinely uh interested to know what are the best ways for public relations professionals to uncover public feeling now this year with what's happened and just moving forwards I believe it's a mix of social listening search listening asking customer questions but yeah I mean if you if you found any amazing insights in different ways um get in touch and let us know because this is stuff that um I'm I'm particularly looking into and and Wads and I are chatting about as well so um 
maybe once we find out more, we'll do part two <laughs> in the coming week. Great, Shallow. Well, it's lovely to talk to you. And as I say, I mean, yeah, we could, you know, we could just keep going on going on this, can we? Yeah, we could. Hopefully we do, because like more technology will give us more, more insight, right? Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Shallow. This is the PR Resolution Podcast. Keep in touch by following me on Twitter at Stella Bales. For more reading on PR, head to blog.coveragebook.com. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode and make sure you subscribe to the series on iTunes now. See you there.